everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And this is episode 87. If you this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. We've been at it for a couple of years now. We are a happily married couple with four children, ages 11 through 3, or free, uh, as she's wont to say. And we live in Montana, where it's currently kind of dumping snow, or has been for a little bit. So I might should play hooky and go skiing tomorrow, babe. You might should. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You go should. Go do some powder. You should take your kids with you. Paul ski. Only two of the kids are going to get a powder. Yeah, take them. What about the third? I don't know. I'll feed her chocolate or something. Oh, man. When you guys went skiing last Saturday, number four got an awful lot of screen time and one-on-one time to compensate for her. So, you guys, this last Saturday, JR took our three older kids up on Friday night to the ski area, and they camped in the parking lot in the van... And it was the first time Elise had ever slept in the van and first time any of the kids had slept in it since it had been more or less finished. And it was delightful on all sorts of counts. First of all, that I didn't have to make Friday night, Friday dinner, Saturday breakfast, Saturday lunch, and Saturday dinner. I could just focus on Friday dinner. And I also then got to say goodnight and goodbye to everyone on Friday night and everyone but Faith and have a fairly quiet Friday or Saturday morning. Uh, Faith woke up. She was sad to be left behind. She's free. She woke up Saturday morning before I did and showed up in my room in all of her ski gear, her long underwear, her sweater, her ski pants, her boots, her jacket. And she was like, I'm ready to go. And I was like, oh, We are not going (laughs) for several reasons. First of all, mommy's tired of doing ski Saturdays. I get zero free time if we have skiing on Saturday. And I just needed a down day to do chores and other things. And, And also, it was their spring festival. And it wasn't as crazy as we had anticipated it would be. Crowd-wise, I think the last three or four Saturdays had been much busier. But still, both parking lots filled up, and they were shuttling people up the road by 10 or 11 o'clock. So I was not going to pop her in the car and drive up and then hike up the road with a cranky three-year-old. And off and on all day, she'd get really sad that she wasn't going skiing. And she woke up Sunday morning and said, I'm still sad that I didn't go skiing, but I actually... Unlike JR, who was like, you should put her in the car and drive up so she can be ski ski and not be sad. I was like, you know what? No, we'll we'll get her up skiing on a day that doesn't tax me and we're not fighting crowds and stuff. And on a weekday when we're not doing ski class, we'll just have a ton more free time and liberty to follow our own schedule. So that's that. And you raved and raved about camping with the kids. Oh man, it was. Didn't we already talk? Did we talk about that, or was that this just this last weekend? That was just this last weekend. You've told yeah. a ton of people okay. about it, right? So, <clears throat> I take the three kids up that night. We get up the following morning, and it, you know I've got just a little hot plate uh, to cook stuff on inside the van. 
So we get up in the following morning. I pull the table out because I, I keep the table stowed because it just creates more space for moving around and hanging out. But anyway, we're going to have breakfast. So I put the table up and the kids all just sit down. And I think the kids will start getting ready when they wake up versus what we did Saturday. But Saturday morning we got up and I started by making the kids uh, hot chocolate. So basically I just boiled water, got them their hot chocolate going. Then I boiled water for my coffee. And then I'm like, okay, it's time to make bacon. So I pulled bacon out of the fridge, started cooking up bacon. There was two batches of bacon. Handed the kids the bacon. I was like, all right, kids, who wants eggs? Everyone wanted about two eggs. So I cooked, started cooking eggs. Made eggs for everybody. And then we got done eating eating breakfast, and we're just kind of sitting there. And uh, Titus was the first one that wanted to start getting ready. Because to the scary opens at 9, mm-hmm. and you guys had gotten up. I started getting mm. texts before 7. From the girls. Yeah, the kids, Titus... The kids were so amped because it was their first time ever that Titus and Lily actually woke up sometime around 4.30 in the morning and started chattering away like high school girls. And I told them to shut up and go back to sleep. <laughs> they did. And then I think sometime before 7, they got up. I got up roughly... I didn't crawl out of bed till about 7.30. So we didn't get breakfast going until maybe 7.45 or so. But still, when you don't have to drive... And worry about parking and stuff. Right. Makes for so pretty late back morning. Anyway, so yeah, so we start. We get breakfast done. Titus starts changing and wants to get out and ski. And we have limited changing area. We've got what I call the hallway, and it's basically I'm, I'm using this opportunity to teach the kids like when we camp in when we are stuck inside the van. Ideally. Um, in later use, when you're outside in the summer, you've got a lot more outside space. But when we're all cramped in the van, we just sit and hang out. Forces you to hang out because you can't really go anywhere and do anything on a bed or in the seats or in this case. At and the, the beds are so cramped. It's like a submarine bunk bed. You can't sit up in it. So you can't. The kids I wouldn't call them cramped so much as cozy because there's plenty. Once you're laying down, there's plenty of. But there's no room. I mean, they're designed to sleep sit on. Up. You can't sit up. You can't the kids change could. clothes. No. That's what I'm saying, is that, oh, yeah. that you have to change clothes they're in the designed, area. The beds are designed to sleep in. They're berths. They're, you sleep, yeah. that's it. In our pop-up camper, we had the kids change in their beds. Yeah. Because so, we had all this headspace. Right. So we have this really large hallway where we do the cooking and between the seat and the beds. And uh, so the rest of us hung out at the table while Titus got dressed. And Titus was dressed, and then I can't remember what kid was next. One of the kids started getting dressed next. Maybe it was Lily or Elise, I don't remember. And they kind of went back and forth. And they were going really slow. Like, the girls were just, like, skittery and excited and unfocused. And so I'm not really pushing anything because I'm enjoying sipping my coffee and looking out the window. And um, so Titus gets frustrated and goes, Guys, I'm out of here. I'm going skiing. And so he jumps out of the van, grabs his gear, and starts hop, hop, hiking off to the hill. And in the meantime, the girls are getting ready, and I'm just sitting, sipping my coffee, watching the parking lot fill up and people hang out. It was super relaxing. And then it didn't take me long to get dressed at all, but the girls just kind of took forever. But it was like, it was way better than getting up super early in the morning, to And be the honest. frantic dash to get yeah. out of the house and worrying what we've forgotten That's and just, all the things. Yeah. yeah. So I, we have not discussed your change of heart from I'm not camping in the van with you guys until you get all these gold stars on your sleep chart to all right we're camping in the van oh yeah so I'm sitting down here so Molly was 
You started a sleep chart. I Backing up, I started the sleep chart for a reason. I know. Because I would sit down and hear Molly fight with the kids on trying to get them to sleep. So I said, hmm, how can I help solve this problem? Uh, I know. I'll just take away any camping that the kids will ever do. So I said, look, if you guys can't fall asleep in your own beds easily and without fighting and complaining and getting up 900 times, or coming downstairs crying because... You've laid in bed for 10 minutes and you're not asleep yet. That's a big problem, too. I was like, you can't sleep in the van. Like, it's not possible. We don't have the luxury of you guys not being able to control your sleep habits in this really, really small space. So no camping in the van until you guys start going to bed well and you're actually disciplined enough that when you can't fall asleep after 10 minutes, you don't get up and cry and whine and stand at our bed and and whimper. You actually stay in bed and continue trying to fall asleep. Like there's some self-discipline going on there. So I put together a sleep chart and it lasted for five days and everyone... It lasted way more than five no, days. No, look at the chart. You weren't I only have like five char- five stars on there or six stars. There's a couple nights I missed, but only like two. So it kind of culminated with every... I bumped the microphone. With everyone complaining that... Uh, like Titus is like, well, just because she doesn't have to fall asleep, she can't fall asleep. Why do I have to get punished and can't go camp in the van? You know, and then Lily be like, well, it was Titus's fault this night, so why can't I camp in the van? And I was down here that morning, and I was hearing those comments start up again. And Molly, you said, I don't know why your dad has these sleep charts or these rules, but your dad just has these. So there, I'm like, all right. Uh, obviously, I'm the only one in the boat here, and I'm the hate, most hated man in the house. So I came upstairs. Yeah, you I threw kind of a pity party. I there. said, "So no, no sleep chart, no sleep chart. Throwing out the window. If nobody's going to be on board, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to try. I'm throwing out the window." I have a little bit different perspective on that than you do. I feel like you were exasperating your children because no, no, you weren't. You you had a conversation with Titus, and you were like, "I don't care if it's not your fault." You're you're one of the siblings. You're going to suffer with your siblings until they can get it under control, which feels very unfair to me. To he can't make his well theory. sure, but who can't, who goes camping? The whole family goes camping. I either piecemeal it out for every camp trip, depending on what kid's sleeping well, or we don't ever go camping as a family at all. Right, but I just feel like you should not put faith in that boat because she's the problem. By and large, the other kids have a problem off and on. Lily has a little problem. You know, Lily has struggled a couple nights, like the night that we joked about World War Three and she was terrified and couldn't fall asleep because she was afraid she was going to die in a nuclear bomb. Like, I'm fine making an exception for that. I'm fine doing my motherly duty and calming her and talking through her fears with her even if it is at 10 30 at night but i felt like you were applying a standard to the other kids that they could have attained to but they're like screw it i'm not even gonna try because faith is setting us back so much because she's the one who keeps the others up and you know so the others can choose to ignore her and and continue trying because we get into a van situation or a camping situation. Faith is going to be throwing a fit, and none of the other kids are going to be able to sleep because Faith is throwing a fit. Right, I know, but but you were not you were 
giving them demerits for faith's fits, not for their response to it. We use the same process in judo. One kid screws off, the whole class does push-ups. I know. That's the way team sports work, babe. And camping is a team sport. It is when it involves the whole family. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter now because I threw out the rules, so we can do whatever we want now. We're back to square one. I suppose so. I I guess I felt like that conversation was going to be more productive and edifying than it was. (laughs) Where's it going to go? I don't know. Like... You had a change of heart. You realized that you were not no. I didn't have a change of heart. I was frustrated that my efforts to try to help the family failed, so I just threw them out. I'm like, you, if, if nobody's going to be you on can board, get involved then in I'm putting gonna... the kids back to bed. It doesn't have to be me upstairs I fighting the kids to put them back never, to bed. Never, never happens. And you've you've kicked me out uh, sometimes of trying to help Faith put Faith to bed. Oh, yeah, that one time when you spanked her over and over. That's the only time I've kicked you out of trying to put her back to bed. It's happened. It's <laughs> happened. Nobody ever wants me anyway. They all want mom. That doesn't mean you can't put a kid back to bed if mom doesn't feel like it. Mom never feels like putting the kids to bed. <laughs> all right. Anyway, guys. <coughs> so. So that's a taste of what the show is really like. Or what our family is really like when we're not Mm. being happy on the show. I'm happy on the show. Not right now, you're not. Yeah, I am. So for breakfast this morning, you guys, we we had breakfast sliders, which I had... Did a search on Pinterest because I thought that something like this would exist. Somebody had left after a small group gathering. 900 Hawaiian rolls. Three packs of Hawaiian rolls. And so I did a search on Pinterest and I found a recipe that I thought looked great where you did like the slider recipes that are really popular right now with the packs of Hawaiian rolls. You cut the entire thing in half, put it in a baking dish, and then in this case, do a sprinkle of of cheese, of shredded cheese over the top of, of it. And then while you're, before you get any of that going, bake a square of sausage the same size so that when it shrinks down, it's going to be the same size as the whole thing of rolls. So then you put the baked square of sausage on top of it. And then while the sausage is baking, you scramble eggs and then you sprinkle the scrambled eggs on top of that sprinkle bacon bits or cooked and chopped up bacon on top of that top it with more shredded cheese put the whole top layer of rolls on top of it and then brush it with butter and sprinkle it with garlic salt and bake it until everything is melty and warm and faith and elise looked at it and proclaimed that they wouldn't like it immediately and titus ate three straight out of the gate and Lily ate a couple and I ate a couple, and I thought they were fantastic. The rolls compressed enough, as I was looking at all of it, as I was putting it together, I thought that it was going to be too big or too too much to get in your mouth at once because it was pretty puffy with the scrambled eggs and stuff. But the rolls, which there's like nothing to them, compressed down nicely, and they made a nice-sized sandwich. And that's definitely... A breakfast that I think I will repeat. Oh, super good. I super good. And what was the story behind Faith and her strips of sausage? Oh, that was just so you guys, I don't buy breakfast sausage. I take our ground elk meat and I thought and then I just mix it with breakfast sausage seasonings. So in this case, last night I had Titus mix up I don't remember what all was in it. I know there was sage and thyme and basil and 
garlic powder and some brown sugar and I don't know, pepper, salt. I don't think I had any paprika in that. So we just let that kind of set for the flavors to meld in the fridge overnight. And then I smashed it on tin foil onto a nine by 13 baking sheet and baked it like that, which was bigger than the loaf of the the Hawaiian rolls, but I didn't want it to be so thick that the only flavor you'd get was sausage in this sandwich and that it would be hard to bite through it. So what the what happened is that after I baked it, I cut it to size to put on the the set of rolls and that left a side strip that was like two inches wide that I gave to Faith because she loves sausage, but mm. she doesn't she didn't want the breakfast sandwich. So we have a couple of other random sized pieces of sausage left over as well that I'm sure any one of us can figure out a way to make use of. So, since it's on everybody's conversation radar right now, where are your latest thoughts regarding Ukraine, the economy, and life as a whole in relation to all of the uncertainty? Well, I've actually kind of tried to tune out some of the Russia-Ukraine stuff for my mental health. And just, it doesn't do me any good to try to figure out what else is going on over there I feel like there's there's stuff going on that we don't have access to and while I appreciate expert opinions and things like that when George Soros is tweeting things positively about the Ukraine I'm like I hmm I never agree with George Soros and I always find his motives suspicious what's he doing weighing in on the Ukraine right now so are you one of the like conservative crowd that's falling in line with Putin's support? No, I think Putin's terrible. I've agreed with that. I mean, you look back at the how much Mitt Romney and Sarah Palin and all of these conservatives from, you know, the early 2000s saying China and Russia are are what we need to be cautious of. I I think that they were right. I don't think Putin has good things in mind, but um but I so I, I don't I'm never actually rooting for him, uh, except in the sense that I I hope and pray good things for the Russian people who are suffering at the hands of their leader. But I also think that the Ukraine, you know, I I don't know. I don't. There's there's people who know way more about this global situation than I do. So I just I don't think the Ukraine is this beacon of freedom and democracy that all of a sudden. Every single American is being told to cheer for. And when I look at, <laughs> I watched this video the other day of Justin Trudeau literally saying, these tyrants who've been trying to take freedom away from people by these opportunities of global crises. And he's talking about Putin trying to take power away from the Ukrainian people. But the way he said it was shocking how little self awareness he had. But I don't know if you're trying to set me up for that J.P. Sears. I'm not trying to set you up for anything. Oh, I watched this video. We have a very sad four-year-old looking through. Oh, she drew her Wago people. Come here. Faithy, come here. Oh. Lily knows where the markers are. Can you have somebody else help you find markers? We're recording a show right now. Okay, I'll help you find markers when we're done, okay? You're doing a great job so far. Um, 
Okay, so the J.P. Sears, the funny, redheaded, super ripped guy who's got he's half comedian half social commentator he he'd created a video about the world economic forum and klaus schwab and the it, it was very sobering to me watching all of these gl- pictures of global leaders like putin like trudeau all at these conferences where they're talking about genetically engineering humans and this advertisement where they say you will own nothing and you'll be happy and then he traces the connections between BlackRock which is an investment firm Mm -hmm. that is known to be buying houses at exorbitant prices throughout the Midwest so that literally normal people can't purchase them I don't think that's what's happening in Montana I think individuals fleeing more expensive states are coming here and raising our cost of living but I in, in certain regions of our country and bill gates is a member of the world economic forum and he owns something like a third of the farmland in america now but he plans for us to not be able to eat beef because and so what's he going to do with this ranch and farmland anyway all this stuff this i could see if i can find a video a video of this off of instagram but and then klaus schwab is on record as you know they've done these pandemic uh, simulations in the mid early you know, the early 20 teens and the late 20 teens and some of the script for it is shockingly similar to what just played out well look at any movie in history i mean we could there's a bunch of movies that play this scenario out all the time right like so for example what's the will smith zombie movie i am legend i am legend gas prices in a lot of america are currently higher than they were during this envisioned zombie apocalypse and i am legend <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i anyway i watched all of that and i was like i feel like i'd like to have a little bit more so food on hand than do you do i don't even know how to phrase it um how does how do all of the various theories uh on um on what's being played out right now, what's happening, who's behind it, every how is all of that affecting your daily life, or how does it affect your daily life? It affects my daily life because, in the sense that it's like yesterday, I spent time trying to find whole cranes of wheat that we could buy in bulk and have in storage. Just so Schwab is hypothesizing that possibly the next global disaster to hit will be a global power outage that would literally cripple our ability to get gas, our ability to make food, all these things. So I'm like, you know, I feel like he's on record as saying he thinks this will probably happen. I feel like he might be working to orchestrate this happening. Okay, backing up. How does how does Klaus Schwab's involvement. I'm sorry that it's not cool. Okay, then don't watch it. Go do something else. Nope, and please don't interrupt us again, or you're going to have to go take a nap. Um, does it matter whether Klaus Schwab is behind it, or does it, or not? And how does that change whether or not you're buying grain? It. 
what matters to me is I feel like people who are actively working to towards this great reset, which is literally a book that Klaus Schwab published as the JP Sears video says. He published this book called The Great Reset about using COVID to create an economic and a social order reset as long as we've disturbed, upset the apple cart. Let's rearrange the apples, so to speak. He published it in like May of 2020. So as Sears says, how did he have time to process everything that was going on, to know what was going to keep going on, and to write a book and get it published, a long book, called The Great Reset? Uh, I've seen movies. I've seen movies come through with a really fast timeline. Well, there's a lot of people who've been studying way more than I have this idea of The Great Reset. And I find conservative people who are thinking about it convincing enough that they say there are there are beyond our national powers there are people trying to create a new you know like the illuminati sort of thing i feel woo woo saying it but i think i find them convincing in what little i've studied and read it and to me personally i want to be able to keep providing for our family if something were to happen I don't want to go nutso overboard, so I'm not going to order one of those Costco feed your family for six months boxes because we're never going to do we're never going to eat that. But my mom has a grain grinder. If we buy bags of wheat, we can make sourdough bread over a fire indefinitely if we have wheat. And as I discovered yesterday in shopping at this one place in Montana, for wheat, they have one particular type of wheat that they advocate not for baking with, but for making into wheatgrass. So you sprout it. It takes ten days to sprout it. You can do it inside in a window, and then you juice it, and it's this nutritional powerhouse. So if we didn't have access to green vegetables, we could have wheatgrass and we could have sourdough bread <laughs> for a really long time. And I feel like, but at the same time. We're not going to be wasting our resources if we buy wheat. You know, it's not a box that we're going to have to find storage for in these disgusting packaged meals that we're not going to eat unless there's a global emergency. And then in 10 years, you throw it away and you spend $1,000 on another package of MREs that's going to feed your whole family. But you wouldn't have eaten otherwise. So I feel like I'm more mindful of prudent stewardship. But at the same time... I'm not watching all of the Russian stuff breathlessly and nonstop on Instagram and on my phone and reading the news because it doesn't change the fact that I need to put my kids to bed. I need to feed my kids. I need to educate my kids. I, I ask because I'm trying to understand and I haven't been able to have anybody give me a really good reason on... Uh, to at least in my opinion, a reason, uh, a re- giving me a really good reason that explains the obsession with who and why is behind all this, because it feels disproportionate to me. I mean, and what I'm trying to say is, it feels a little bit like all of the time people could spend obsessing on the end times and how the world is going to end. Okay, you can. 
Fact is, we have to live today, and it's going to happen one way or the other. Okay, here's here's the who and why for me. I have spent the last two years trying to find alternate sources of information because I don't believe that the mainstream media has been truthful or helpful with the COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more Americans have gotten on board with, wait a second, you haven't been truthful about Donald Trump. And I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but I also don't think the media has been truthful or fair in representing him. They So, so they have thrown co- their corporate weight in such a way that I think it sways elections, not just presidential mm-hmm. elections, but other elections. I don't trust the national media. Okay. I don't trust our government either to be truthful to us okay. or to necessarily be working in our favor. And I would throw out gas prices as exhibit A of that. We could turn on American energy production with a stroke of Biden's pen. And yet we're looking now he's talking to Iran about getting oil from them since mm-hmm. we're not getting it from Russia. There is nothing in the interest of the American people that says I'm doing what's best for the American people. There's something else going on there. I can't hypothesize too much about what it is. But, but I it doesn't change. It does, no, no. What? What? OK, so here's the thing. Let me just finish what I'm saying. If- so we've gone from literally we've gone from trucker convoy, all of these things. We don't believe what the mainstream media is saying about the trucker convoy to hook, line and sinker. Everything everybody is telling us about the Ukraine, including like verifiably false things like the ghost of Kiev, this fighter pilot that's supposedly shooting things down. That's false. That was Ukrainian propaganda. The little girl yelling at the Russian soldier. That was a Palestinian girl yelling at an Israeli soldier. Like if it's winter in the Ukraine and this girl standing in the desert and we're just hook, line and sinker for all of the images and all of the narrative. And what that's doing is it could arguably get us in a nuclear war. And we have all of these people, all of these bipartisan conservatives and liberals who are gung-ho warmongering to get us into what will arguably become a nuclear war. And I'm I'm skeptical of it. Like, I'm not obsessively trying to figure out what's going on, but I'm super skeptical of all the narrative because I don't even know where to start sorting it out, but I don't really trust any of it. Okay. <laughs> didn't really answer my question, but okay. Why didn't it answer your well, question? Well, because I just doesn't see, like, <clears throat> the fact is there's a war going on. Mm-hmm. Gas prices are going up. The government's making really stupid decisions. And we have to figure out how to navigate over the next, the course of the next six months to a year. Who's behind it and why? I don't really, I don't give a crap. I don't really care because it doesn't change the fact that those things are actually happening mm-hmm. to us now. I can't change mm-hmm. the course of that direction. I feel like that's what I just said. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> you kind of more went on a, on a rant about yeah, about not trusting about, anything. Right. Yeah. So I guess I just like there's a whole lot of talk and discussion, and people spend more time on trying to figure out who and why and less time on trying to figure out how to uh, navigate, uh, navigate right and support and encourage each other without feeding this ever-growing, you know, beast of 
all the different theories, uh-huh. conspiracy or not, you know, theories. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like I just, <clears throat> I had, I had a similar conversation, you know, the other day about it with a friend and I was, you know, he, he really, he's like, I don't talk about this much, but I like talking about it with you cause you seem, you know, you're a free thinker. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a free thinker, but like, and he admitted that he was obsessing for a while on it, but it's like, you can't change anything. It's like, well, so why, so why waste, why waste that much time and energy on it when you can actually spend time, you know, looking at the sources that you reasonably believe you can trust mm-hmm. that don't necessarily have any ulterior, you, you can't really think of any ulterior motives, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, my original tee up for all of that literally was just to tee into like solar and grain. And cause mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool that we found. The grain thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like 30 bucks for $33 for 50 pounds of organic wheat grain. Mm-hmm. And the trick is it's how far is Great Falls from here? Three hours? Two and a half, three. So yeah. it's a three hour drive one way with $4 a gallon gas now. Um, because, which is still, I'm grateful it's for. It's still it. like 50 I'm, bucks in gas. Maybe. Right. I'm grateful for that because I went to check out after loading my car up with 200 pounds of grain. And I was like, you know, I I would literally stop. I, I've developed this. And I, I was talking to a friend about this. I go to Costco and I'm like, I don't know, maybe this isn't on my list, but maybe I should buy this just to have something extra on hand. And it feeds in my in my belief an unhealthy i never feel quite prepared enough for what what if something goes wrong like what if what if what if and when i'm walking through costco with the piles of things and then the toilet paper's gone this week and it's there next week you know when do you have enough toilet paper on hand sort of thing and i feel like 200 pounds of grain some of which we could sprout and not just be eating grain would give me enough peace of mind that I would not feel like I needed to stock up food-wise on anything else because the grain would keep, we could use the grain reasonably, it would be healthy, and we could sprout it. Anyway, all that, mm-hmm. I've, I've already said that. But yeah, we did hit on that um, as yesterday, and then I went to check out, and $130 worth of grain <laughs> was going to be $330 in shipping <laughs> because it's 200 pounds of grain, of course. Well, and I... And I, uh, you know, every couple of years I look at solar because, you know, I made a joke to my brother yesterday. I was like, the sun's not going to raise the raise its rate on energy production. <laughs> so um, only now, only now have I been feeling like it's it's reasonable. It's becoming like a reasonable solution. My thinking being, um, you know, I did a, I've done a ton of math. Looked at you know Google. Project Sunroof and the National Renewable Energy Labs has a has a calculator that's really helpful. And then, um, you know, where you live, how you know all that stuff, and what you're paying and what your bill is and everything like that. And I I think you know we would be at like an eight to nine, uh, eight to ten year payout depending on a variety of factors. You know, my parents moving in that's going to increase power a little bit. Um, the rates are always going to go up. They never go down. Mm-hmm. They always go up and they're only going to continue to go up. Um, so, you know, I feel like our usage will probably also go up when our girls are back to living in rooms with baseboard heat. Yeah. In the winter. Yeah. Might have to keep them upstairs. 
Well, we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, anyway you know, I'll, I'll, we'll still be here. I'll still have kids in the house. So apparently my brother was saying, too, that it, it increases the value of your home 4%. Now, value of home stuff, for me personally, I don't put a whole lot of... It doesn't drive financial decisions for me because it's only it only has that value kind of like equity well look at all the equity you have in your home yeah it's only if i use it but if i use it i take out debt and that puts me backwards so to me it's kind of like eh um but apparently then that's you know that's four percent of the which is like another twenty eight thousand bucks so that's double over double for the kit that i'm looking at putting in Hmm, which is interesting so i don't know it's um it's an interesting thing to me yeah and it, like, it doesn't an fit, after point. doing after doing the van a diy so and there's some cool companies out there now a do did you know putting in my own solar does not is not even remotely intimidating anymore and a big thing you guys for us is we get hailstorms every couple of years that cause damage and our insurance company would cover mm-hmm. solar yeah. which is which i call really them nice. about they're like oh we'd absolutely write your policy so so that's most great. people like you I mean, you would think direction. having solar on your roof would prevent your roof from getting damaged. Cover the whole thing in solar panels. You don't have to replace your roof. Yeah, but you just have to <laughs> the replace the solar panels, the solar which panels. are more expensive. I don't know. Not the panels themselves. I I almost wonder if it would be cheaper to do panels instead of, you know, Tesla has that solar roof now. Yeah, can't which get is supposed here, to be indestructible. But, yeah. Um. So sorry. No, it's fine. I'm going to make sure I note that this is a this is a theory. Conspiracy uh, theory. Well, or... theories. I mean, everything. You've got all sorts of theories. Some of them are more conspiring than others. If you take the true some definition of, them are more of palatable conspiracy. than others. But somebody was mentioning that the other day. Just the term conspiracy theory has taken on as all evil. Like the moment you say it, you're a wacko. It's like, well, no. You're, you, there's a your theory behind what's happening is based on. The fact there is a super evil cabal conspiracy going on or a conspiracy to do something or something like that. But conspiracies well, have abounded since the dawn of time. Right. I'm going to pull up trying. I'm noting on um, our Telegram channel, I posted a meme a while ago. There's been so much chatter on our Telegram channel. I'm having trouble finding things now, but there was a meme that went back to our Worcestershire sauce conversation that was like, things that are really hard to say, oh, here it is, which is the hardest for you to say, I love you, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I need help, Worcestershire sauce, I appreciate you, or my conspiracy theorist friend was right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think there's, I'm just sort of landing anymore on... There are always, because sin is in the world, there are two things going on. Satan is actively looking to destroy God's creation. And the sinful heart of man is always actively looking for a way to capitalize on something at somebody else's expense for their own gain. To play God. To play God yeah. or something along the lines. You mix all that up into a giant pot and you you literally may not have, uh, you know... A pinky in the mouth, super evil cabal of world controlling, goat blood drinking, child sacrificing Satanists. I mean, you probably have those somewhere. But, right, but like. But my point being is like, you people will come up to take advantage of situations and just contribute to the madness. And 
Yeah. And I think that's where grounding even kids in scripture and reading all of scripture to kids is so important. Because when Lily was freaking out about World War Three the other day, I was I was like, look, I was just finishing up reading Chronicles. And I think I might have mentioned this on last week's show because she had this had happened before that. But in the end, in Kings and Chronicles, when the kings are bad and God's people get raided on by external forces, there's you don't hear mention of it in the Bible, but there's families losing dads. There's families getting attacked. There's houses getting destroyed. There's terrified young children who are being kidnapped, who are being hurt, who are being put into slavery. Anyway, I was I wasn't elaborating on that too much to Lily, but mm-hmm. I was like, even in the Bible... There's stories of scared kids having their homeland attacked. And not that this was necessarily helpful her, to her, but the point is that God's character remains the same. Yes. And God's promises through time remain the same. And the fact that as that, oh, what's the group that I like from Australia? The hymn writing group, City of Light. City of Light. As they say, though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there's still one king ruling overall and we just no matter what our conspiracy theory or how much we want to dive into the conspiracy theories is we have to come back to the everlasting faithfulness of god and that he keeps his promises and i mean the 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 new testament world was incredibly turbulent i mean think about as we as we studied the roman empire in school all of the different Roman empires that are being killed and conspired against and, you know, their their third wife's mother-in-law is trying to get her daughter to marry, you know, the next emperor sort of thing. I mean, even Caesar Augustus, or Caesar Augustus, and when we read a book about him, just the number of children and half-children and stepchildren that he had and their moms were all maneuvering to try to get them to be the next emperor of the Roman Empire. And then you've got years where there were three empires and one emperors in one year. Um, You know, just the amount of turbulence that's going on while Peter and Paul are writing these letters to the churches who have the external turbulence and internal turbulence and are being attacked and just their constancy and their trust in God and their future hope and their knowledge of God's character that roots all of it and their assurance that God's promises are true because of what Christ has done for them. I I almost, now that we've been talking about just that angle a little bit, I would almost say that you're doing a disservice uh, to the by trying to contain um by trying to explain what's happening uh to contain it to a single organization like QAnon or something like that um i almost feel like you're doing the devil a credit <laughs> you're giving him you're focusing it like it's much more what he wants to do to humanity in the evil of the world and the sinfulness is much more sinister and much worse than anything QAnon could come up with. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what we try to do to ourselves is much worse than any of that. So by simply landing on one explanation, um, you're downplaying the sinfulness of humanity and the fallenness of the world. Hmm. It could, it, I would probably argue it's a lot worse than even that. It certainly, <clears throat> the world is probably worse and the individual heart is worse than we necessarily give people credit for. Mm-hmm. But which, you know, the the flip side of that is God has already conquered yes. all of that. And if we dwell even on what Satan is doing in the world, we're not fixing our eyes on the things that are above. And we're not living out our identity, which is the identity of as sons and daughters of a risen and ruling king who has conquered death itself and all of the horrible things that that are associated with living on a planet that where death is temporarily, you know, reigning or God has let death loose to do its thing on humanity right now. I wish but- there was more I really wish there was more emphasis overall on that point exactly. Christ's redemption and Christ rescuing and his already one uh emphasis then, from whom? From from my dear, wonderful uh Christian friends who spend more time dwelling and processing and contemplating and researching and talking and sharing the latest um the latest theory. It's a very easy pitfall than, to fall into. I mean, look at even yeah. like what we did. We spent most of our there recording you go. time. Uh, you you have to deliberately choose to set your mind on the things of Christ. That y- any form of sanctification is you never default to it. You don't default to the good. You don't default to what dwelling on what Christ has done. You always default to the negative self-talk. You default to believing the best, the worst of other people. You default to look at the Israelites in the wilderness. They defaulted to grumbling when God was giving them miraculous deliverance over and over from Egypt and then from people who were attacking them as they wandered in the wilderness and from diseases and from serpents and providing food and providing water in the middle of the desert. And all they do is turn around and start grumbling immediately afterwards. And you read Exodus and it's tedious. You get so sick of these silly grumbling Israelites. And then you realize, oh, (laughs) that's me, you know? And so we default to that. And that's why we have to be in Christian community that is deliberately cruciform, meaning shaped, wrapped around the cross, like a a cross-formed community. Because without community, and without community that is deliberately focusing on the things of God, you don't default to that, ever. As adults, as kids, as, you know, senior citizens, as men, as women, you know, no matter what color your skin is, you have to have other people reminding you and you have to be in the word 
Because without that, you're always going to default to the bad. I almost didn't know if we were going to be able to like end the show on uh, a high note. Oh, I could end the show on a high note. You guys, I have all of these things that I wanted to tell you guys about. I'm sorry. Next week, I promise. We're not going to rant. I will let Molly talk about whatever she has on her list, and I will not toss out completely unplanned converse, like questions. I have three things I'm going to say really quickly before I go make Please, tacos. Okay. Them. First of all, you guys, Walmart sells squeeze guacamole. We've talked about this, haven't we? No, we haven't. I keep meaning to. Oh my! I don't gosh. think we've talked about have it. We not told you guys. It's life changing. So you buy it. It's like the squeeze sour cream, and in Walmart, it's in the produce section. But it's a squeeze tub with a flip top, and it doesn't go bad. Like if you buy the tubs of guacamole, you have to eat them all in one sitting, or you have to throw it away because it gets disgusting. And in this particular case, it's. It's there's there's no exposure to air except what you squeeze out for a particular serving. It's fantastic. And it's not really it doesn't really cost much more even than a tub of guacamole from Costco. So it's totally worth looking in your local grocery store for squeezed guacamole. Second thing I want to say is an update on my order from Misfits Market. Oh, this is important. We got our order from it on Wednesday we unpacked it. The produce had survived. I should, put this, I should re-edit this and put this at the beginning of the show. The produce had survived <laughs> shipping really well. We liked the kids inhaled the apples that I ordered. I'm they're raving about how good these mandarin oranges are. And so I look at the package and I'm like, Kingsburg, California. That's where Uncle Vernon is. So I look up the name it's like a cooperative of different farmers and it lists the farmers and shows their family pictures and sure enough we were very possibly eating mandarin oranges that came from our friend uncle vernon's peach and a listener to this podcast whose home we stayed at when on our trip last year in california and anyway so i texted him a picture of the package and he's like yep those are my oranges, which is just super cool. Because it's not too often that in Billings, Montana, you're eating the fresh produce of somebody that you know that didn't come from one of our gardens. And also on that subject, we were musing about weights of things. And Erica on Telegram responded that her 14-year-old daughter had toured a potato packaging plant and somewhere like Walmart occasionally weighs the bags of produce that they get. And apparently if one bag is underweight by half a pound, they can reject the entire shipment, which would be a huge cost to the seller and the packager. So they overpack them by, I think she said, a half to a pound. Because in shipment, potatoes at least will dry out a little bit and lose some weight. And they want to compensate for that and make sure that you're always going to get at least what you're paying for, if not more. So a strategy here then was when you go to buy the uh, your potatoes, you can always buy them individually and weigh them out by the pound. Or you can take the two pound bag and find a bag, weigh just the bag and see which bags weigh the most. Because you'll end up getting more potatoes out <laughs> of it. It's not really worth that sort of Are you sure? to me. An yeah, entire potatoes, pound? Potatoes are pretty cheap. Yeah, but an entire pound? I don't know. They're not going to be... Anyway, I don't think they're going to be that much more. You could save 13 cents out of right. no potatoes. Potatoes are not 
super expensive. So Erica ends and say it says they're balancing making sure each bag weighs enough at purchase and not over went overfilling and losing profits. Mm. So um, I had one person text me and say that she was intrigued enough about Misfits Market that she was going to try it herself. And I was like, oh, I have a discount code that, you know, they incentivize oh, sharing cool. the discount code. So I was like, before you place your order, here's $10 off your first order. It also gets me $10 off my next order, full disclosure. Can we can we use this code for more than one person or I, is it a one-time deal? We can. So I can put it on the show. You could. Perfect. So anyway, if you guys want to try, this is not an advertisement at all. But no, this we is because we liked it. We were. I was pleased. impressed. I was. I was really pleased with it. We have another order coming tomorrow, and but no mandarin oranges because they weren't available by the time I went to place the order. So anyway, Vern said next week, right? This week, sometime this uh, week is uh, the next batch of mandarins. He's hoping it'll be ready. No, I think they're almost done with mandarins, and then they're moving into harvesting season for something else. He said something else. You guys, it's so weird. Like. The amount of logistical management that man has to do is unreal. Yeah. It's very cool, though. Very cool. So the the group, the Homegrown Organics group, is a is a, essentially a co-op of organic farmers. And they meet very regularly to discuss um, where, uh, what their current status is, where they might be short on an order. Who's because, for example, when Walmart rolls a truck in expecting a truck full of organic mandarins, if they can't fill that truck, Walmart's like, we're going to find somebody else to fill it next yeah, week. So they and lose, they won't come back. And they won't, so they lose. So that's where they get they, they combine and get together and work with each other. So if somebody's short on mandarins, for instance, one of the other farmers or multiple farmers can step up and fill that truck and get it out the door so they can come back again. So it's a pretty cool a lot of give and take, a lot of planning, and they yep. have their, their various citrus planted so they can harvest it in waves and always have a full harvest of something coming But the in. trucks have to come in at the right time. The harvest has to happen at the right time. And, you know, like deliveries. What He was talking about international deliveries to, like, Canada that were, like, two days. You've got to get them off the tree yeah, and, out the and then door, certain like, mandarins oh like word. the ones that he called golden nuggets mm-hmm. don't ship well so those only went locally oh those are amazing they were amazing Whoa. so he said the ones that we got from him were first quality because the mandarins are in short supply in general right now they'll be done in two weeks and then we'll be getting full-sized oranges from him gotcha in six weeks but they don't have enough number two he said right now so everything that misfits market is getting from him right now is a number one so there you go anyway so uh, really really fun small small world and that is how we're gonna end this i like it upbeat not doom and gloom um and if you guys do want to get that code or um i think that's all i'm gonna put in the show notes this week is that is that code Oh, and our Telegram channel. Then click the show notes and that'll be in there. Um, I'm also going to include, we have a Telegram group. So Molly mentioned Erica and the potatoes. She messaged us on Telegram with that. And if you'd like to participate in the conversations on Telegram with other listeners of the show, uh, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes as well. That is a private group, but by using that link, you can get access to it super quick. We'd love to have you on there. Hear your thoughts. You can say whatever you want. I mean, honestly, like the crowd will, you guys will, the, the crowd moderates itself. So um, you can come and talk about the show. You can talk about, like, we just had a huge conversation 
this last week on what we've been reading, books, and what everybody's personal library. What we should read like. to our kids too. We read to our kids. We've been sharing. Are you almost done? Oh, I will be if you don't interrupt me again. Three-year-olds. <laughs> And we've had a bunch of photos of the libraries that people have been sharing uh, from their homes. So that's been kind of fun. Um, if you'd like to send us a message, you can do that on Telegram. Or you can send us an email at tb, the number 2f, tb2f at pm, papamike.me. Or you can send us a message on our website, www.toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct, .com. And uh, use the postcard link. Scroll down on the page. Uh, you'll see a little postcard link. And while you're there on the website... Um, you know, maybe order a shirt. People are weird and hard, mug, something like that. Show your true colors, what you really feel about people. Anyway, thank you for joining us. And if you made it this far, wow. <laughs> Thanks for staying through um, all of the random, random very rants. stuff at the very beginning there. You know, we had a show. I feel like we had a fight on a show one time and... There was one I totally, like, I just edited out because it just it went nowhere nowhere fast. But there was another one I left in. People loved it. So it was just it was kind of funny. Uh, we're here for deal. your... We're here for your better man. Anyway, I'm looking forward to tacos and judo tonight. So uh, that said, thanks for being with us, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.